to free beers and a movie. Nice. One, hello and welcome to episode 105 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and tonight I'm with... Stuart McFall. Sure, thanks for joining from Nile Man. It's nice of you to, to join again. No bother, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Always enjoy uh, featuring my intermittent displays. Yes. Um, and yeah, I enjoy our director's specials. So, yes. Yeah, thank you for having me. Because when this goes out, I will be in Italy. So it's, it's nice to have um, this going up. So we're not um, so I'm having to rush one out um, the, the night before I'm, I'm, I'm flying out. So, this is, so thank you for filling in. Um, in the spirit of three beers, are you drinking anything for tonight? I am, actually. Oh. Um, I, I, I found... Uh, it is a school night, so I'm not going crazy, but I found one solitary bottle of Krabby's alcoholic ginger beer lurking in the cupboard, so, <laughs> so I'm having that. Is there a sell-by date on that? Because that seems like it could have something, you know, it's been there for a good 10 years, sitting there at the back there waiting. I, potentially longer. I'm not going to look at it. Um, <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep you updated, regular bowel updates. Yes. Um, I'm not drinking because I've been at work all day and I've been up from very early hours this morning, so I'm on lemonade, so, um, so I'm keeping it very, very civilised tonight. Um, but yeah, so like we said, as as normal, when me and you get together recently, it's been director profiles and we're going to continue um, in that vein. Um, this one is going to be about Ridley Scott, or sorry, Sir Ridley Scott, he is a knight of the realm after all, um, who was born the 30th of November 1937, so the guy is 81 years old, I think we've got to acknowledge that straight off the bat. He's old. He is old. Yeah, he's been around for a while. You know, like, and also, like, we'll get to later on, but still working pretty consistently at eighty-one years old. You know, he's he's not yeah, slowing. He's, he's not slowing down. He's um, subscribing to that notion of you know, don't retire or you will die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, born in County Durham, which I believe is in North of England, correct? Yes, County Durham. Yeah, it's up um, near Geordie Way. Up that way, yeah. okay. Um, Newcastle. Uh, the only thing I've, I can, I've done a wee brief, deep, a wee brief dive on his sort of family history. Father was in the army, served in World War Two, moved him around a lot. Um, his uncle owns a cinema, and it's still one of the, it's still I think, the oldest real to real cinema in Britain, and it's still open. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's in Newcastle area, or some up, like somewhere up there. So he owns that. Um, obviously, the family have quite a decent heritage. You know, Tony Scott, his brother, that's the youngest brother, I think. Um, he was a director as well, done stuff like Top Gun, Emmy of the State, The True Romance, Crimson Tide. Um, I think the other two brothers as well were, were also directors at one point, either in like commercials or you know, doing a few other things. Um, and that's how Ridley Scott started as well, done a lot of adverts. The most famous one was the Hovis advert. If you remember the one with the wee boy pushing yeah. the, the, the bike up the big hill and it's like sort of all very ye oldie timey that that was his sort of like calling card for a while but if you look at his yeah. early history they've done a lot of different adverts for many many different companies he was sort of a very much a go-to guy for adverts in the in the 60s and sort of early 70s um, he also done a lot of British TV um, most of it I didn't recognise only one I recognised was um, Z Cars he did Z Cars which I never really I, I've never, I never watched it I just recognised the name yeah um, it's their most famous for being uh Everton's song as they enter the pitches, the theme to Z cars. Oh, I, 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 I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he done that as well. So I think that's probably one of those things that every director of that ilk would really sort of start cutting his teeth on, you know, TV of that in that era. We'd be doing probably an episode or two of that. Um, so he done that. Um, eventually, he did start turning his hand to to movie directing, and this is where we all start. So his first movie, his debut film, which 
out off the bat, it's, pretty, it's quite a decent one. It's quite a decent cast as well. Is The Duelists. Have you ever seen this one? 1977? I have not. I, I did not know that. I thought Alien was his first film. No, 77 Duelists starring Keith Carradine, Harvey Keitel, Albert Finney and Tom Conti. It's a good cast. Solid cast. Um, it's about I think, sort of a, a small feud that happens between uh, Carradine and Keitel that should have been sorted out very quickly. It doesn't get sorted out very quickly and turns into sort of a decades-long feud between these two guys, resulting in, in many a duel between the two of them. Um, I have watched it a while ago. It's, it's very good, as you'd expect, with a cast of that um, you know, calibre. It's, it's all very well acted. It's all, it's all well shot as well um, by, by Scott. Um, it does have a slight... Remember they used to put out like sort of British TV, done like sort of movies of the week type thing almost. You know, Billy Connors. Oh, yeah. Billy Connors and a few of them at one point. Remember, it was like sort of the the little the big man or something, and there was yeah yeah ele- like elephant shoes or something or elephant something. There's you know the the boy from is the boy from the black stuff one as well. Maybe I can't yeah, remember. That that was a, a, a show. Yeah. Movie off it as well. Yeah, yeah. but you know, you know what I mean. It's sort of, it's in, it feels in that vein. It's got a bit of a kind of, it is a period piece, so it has that kind of, it has that kind of vein. But it does feel slightly BBC or British TV anyway, like ilk. But maybe a step above that. But it does feel it has got the sort of, sort of roots, roots in that. And it is weird seeing like Harvey Keitel starring this because obviously seventy seven. I don't know how big Keitel was back in seventy seven, but you gotta think that must be around the time of um, Mean Streets. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Taxi Driver was what seventy eight. Yeah. 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 So maybe it's just maybe over here the jobbing. I don't know. If, I don't know if Kytel traded the boards in broad in um, the West End, but I seem to imagine he might have done somehow. Possibly. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, sure. he's it's, not, it, it's pretty tough to find these. I think it's one of those films that's just sort of it's fell out of rotation. It's fell out of, um, you know, it's probably pretty tough to find on DVD or Blu-ray or anything like that. But if you if you can't get a chance to watch it, it's a very decent movie. And like I said, with that kind of cast. You're gonna get solid performances, and um, as a story, it's pretty decent. It has a, it reminds me a little bit of that film with was it Brosnan and when the, the two cowboys Brosnan and Neeson. Remember the, the, the two cowboys, Seraphim Falls. Oh yeah, I think, it's, that? I think it's Seraphim Falls is the name of the film. I think it's something like that. Yes, it has. Yeah, that, that is the film. It has that kind of vibe to it a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that, that is kind of TV movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, definitely, if you find it, or you see it on one night, if you think, I, I kind of think that Film 4 might show, definitely worth a watch. Um, but after that, 1979, um, second movie, probably is one you'll remember for, is Alien. Yeah. Yeah. Alien's not bad. Alien's not bad for a second movie, and for what was a pretty, from all accounts, low-budget production. You know, in comparison to what sci-fi movies are now. And even what his next sci-fi movie would be. This this was pretty low budget. Um, obviously starring Sigourney Weaver, John Hurt. Who else in it? Yeah. Hayden Stanton was in it as well. Obviously. Um, yeah, but, um, Bilbo was in it, wasn't he? Ian Holm. Yeah, Ian Holm was in it as well. Yeah, so it's a good, solid, yeah. solid cast. Um, yeah. I know it's a favourite of yours, correct, Jess? Yes. Uh, for long-time listeners, they'll know that our very self-indulgent uh, Three Beers special where we did our favourite movies of all time, Alien features quite highly um, in mine. And yeah, I've, I've got so much time for this film. I, I never never tire of watching it. I always find something new every time I see it. It, it really is such a slow burner. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I love the fact it became so huge because it's, it's, 
an arty film. And, you know, his art background really comes to the fore here. It's yeah. extremely visual, it's extremely slow-paced, and it's that classic um, horror, which become a, a, a dying, it might be resurrected slightly, but a, a dying trope, I suppose, the idea of less is more and not seeing the monster for quite some time, which I'm always a big fan of. Yeah. And it, I love the pacing of Alien. Yeah, it, it falls into that, that um, the Jaws thing, you know, Jaws is out in uh, 77, it's the idea of, like, you know, you don't show the monster, the, what you can imagine the monster is, is far more terrifying than what they can put on screen. Yeah. Though in saying that, when they put the monster on screen in Alien, it is pretty fucking terrifying. Oh, uh, it's yeah. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's completely terrifying. Right. I, I watched it way too young as well, um, and yeah, I'm really, really young. It definitely had a lasting impression on me. Um, and that soundtrack with all the score is just, oh, God, it goes through me. It's right. so tense. It doesn't matter how many times I see it. It's almost the more I the more I see it, the more terrified I am watching Alien. It does say a lot that pretty much, I can't think of an Alien movie since, that the bad Alien isn't in some way influenced by the Alien. Mm. You know, yeah. even, some, even Predator has got Alien all written all over it as well. You know, the sort of design look of it as well. You know, that, that sort of animalistic and the, the sort of, and, you know, it's that kind of, that kind of feel about it and you look at Independence, yeah. Independence, they didn't just simply do the Alien, Independence, they used the Alien from Alien, you know, and it's, there's so many other films like that who, who have just, that's you now the quintessential idea of what an Alien is, like a bad Alien should be, it's, it's this sort of weird xenomorph thing, you know, it's, that's, that, that, that's, yeah. the, that's what it is. Um, and I, I think what makes Alien so great, and you touched on it as well, it's such a, it's a very simple story. It's, just, it is, it's yeah. not trying to be clever. It's not putting. Too, I mean, it's, it's quite a lean film as well. What I remember, it's not. Um, you yeah. know, it's it, it, it's not trying to be bigger. It's, it's it's very self-contained. You know, even the ending, which is sort of maybe gets a bit more of the to the Hollywoody part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not big in comparison to films of that era. You know, because seventy seven, you would have had like things like Star Wars coming out. You'd have, you know, like I said Jaws was out. You know, other things like that. But, like, much bigger films were out at that time. But it doesn't ever try and get that. It's almost like a thinking man sci-fi, but yeah, it's a fundamentally very simple idea. You know, it's a monster in space. Yeah, you know? it's it feels like one of those. It's it, Alien is like it, you feel like you've you, you you it was implanted in your brain and you'd already seen it. Yeah, you, know, you can't remember the first time you saw it. It's the same as something like Star Wars or. Um, or Indiana Jones, or listening to a, a Beatles song. Yeah. You don't know how you heard it or how you've seen it. It just feels like it was always there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think that's, I don't know, will kids appreciate it as much now? Because like if you watch other sci-fi films, the, every other sci-fi film steals so much from Alien. Will Alien feel fresh to them? Whereas to us, it still feels like that's the quintessential film. Probably not, in the same way that we would watch Citizen Kane now, appreciate it, but we would think, well... That yeah. we've seen this before, and it, it seems like it's happening. Where actually everything else is nabbed from. Yeah. From that. From that. Yeah. yeah. But you're probably right. Yeah. Have you ever seen Alien on the big on the big screen? Sadly, I haven't. No. I, have you? I have, and it was fantastic. It generally was, and even though it's still a very self-contained film, it's a very small film, and, and like we talked before, the sets are quite you know tight. It belongs in the big screen. It, it's every inch a cinematic movie. You know, it's, it doesn't feel small at any point in the film. And then you're talking, it's what, the tail end of the 70s. Yeah. So this is a 40 year old film. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, say, made apart from maybe one or two effects, it doesn't feel like it's really dated. No, certainly not. No. Like a few, could I maybe 
opening shots when we the model shots when we look a little ego like okay I can I can't quite see the strings but I can tell that's a model which is totally fine that's 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 right here all the monster stuff is absolutely great because it's all puppetry and it's yeah. all guys in suits so it actually works really neat really well and it doesn't ever fall apart you know with the, it doesn't look like dodgy CGI but. which is some you know films nowadays give it a couple of years down the line from a, a, a CGI heavy movie and some of the CGI starts to look a little bit shaky yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it might stand the test of time more than a film released 38 years later. Yeah, no, absolutely. Taking cheap shortcuts. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, and also, like you said, it's, it's using the alien as little as possible. You know, it's all in shadow, it's all very dark, it's all, you know, it's, it's never, it's very, really front, front and centre in the movie. And it's, as, as they've started to reveal the alien more and more later on, the, yeah. the impact of the film, of the, the alien itself, became less, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, With exception of Aliens, because that is James Cameron just doing a completely different movie, which is, is in its own right stands side by side with Alien, but in a different way. It, it, it absolutely stands toe to toe with, with it, and it, because he said, "Right, we, there's no point trying to top that as a horror film. Let's do it as an action film." Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, uh, pretty, pretty incredible filmmaking uh, in, its, in its own right, Aliens. Yeah, um, but yeah. So after Alien. Um, I think we can agree Alien is a, a, a five star classic there's no question about that as a film where 1982 so he took a bit of a break to, to get to the next one and it also took, it took a lot of pre-production and that film is one that we seem to be in the minority with but we do and you're almost hesitant to, to voice your true opinion on this film and the film is Blade Runner mm. um, speaking for I'll speak for you slightly we both appreciate this film we can both admire what the visual style of it is and what it what it offered cinematically, but as a film, I really am very cold and don't enjoy this film much at all. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're both on the same page, and that page is there are only a few people who <laughs> reside on it. Yeah, um, I, I don't do you, do you know. Do you ever get sometimes where you think, is it just because? Everything, it, things are just built up and they become so reverential that people are afraid, like you say, to to criticise because it's it's kind of canonised forevermore as yeah. this classic. So people won't say, well, actually, I don't think it's that great. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's hubris yeah. on my behalf. Maybe I'm thinking because I don't think it's that great. Everybody else is wrong. Yeah, and we've, um, stood, and we've stood on this lone island for so long that we'll not come off we it. Have, we'll, yeah, yeah, and we'll and we'll continue to stand here shouting at the shouting at the, the, the mainland, just telling like we are right and you're wrong. Um, yeah, and because of that, we we perhaps be you could accuse us of saying it's a bad film because we're so because we're. We're steering so hard in the other direction, and we're certainly not saying that. No, it's certainly not. It's by no means a bad movie. It's it's, it's probably a, a, it's at times it can, be a, it can be a very good film. You know, it can be. You know, I like the whole you know the detective noir thing it's got going on. I like the visual of it. You know, that all kind of old yeah. the, the kind of New York Tokyo kind of weird mix that they, they sort of push into it. Um, yeah. I used to have a Blade Runner game as well for the for the PC that I absolutely loved playing. I, I really enjoyed the game. I've read a couple of not like the books on the. the Blade Runner World and I really enjoy those just, the, the film just it, I don't know it's leaving me very cold I'm not a huge Rutger Hauer fan mostly I'm not a, I'm not a Rutger Hauer fan not at all I don't think the man can act yeah. at all I've seen him in a few things I go and I'm, I'm okay I can I can, I can sort of if he just plays sort of stoic German person I'm, I'm fine with that when he starts, a bit like yeah. when, when he starts to, when he starts to throw some dialogue about, and try and show some emotion and some and, and emote in some way, I'm kind of going, yeah, eh, not buying it. Um, 
And I just think to being a hobo and killing people, Rutger. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I just find this, I find this, the pacing of this film exceptionally slow. Oh, God, yes. And it, and it just does, it just takes so long to get going for me. And it, it seems to me at times it falls in love with its visuals, which I think is one of the problems with the sequel as well. It, it, it falls in love with what it yeah. could be as opposed yeah, to trying yeah. to tell a story. Um, Absolutely. It, it, it's such an art house film. And yeah. I mean that in all the negative, um, in all the negative ways. I, I don't think, um, I don't think Harrison Ford wanted to be in this film either. He's, I don't think he particularly enjoys it. I don't, yeah. I love Harrison Ford. It doesn't feel like he was born for this world. It, it's not the iconic role that everyone, a lot of people seem to profess it to be. Yeah, and I think also the problem is there's also so many different versions of this film floating around that if you see you, you don't like Blade Runner, the next question is, oh, what version do you not like? Is it the original cut? Is it the yeah. final cut? Is it the special edition cut? And it's like, no, the, the, the cut you can go by is, is always is the original cut. You know, that's the one that went in the cinema, that's the one you've got to judge it based yeah. on. You know, you can appreciate other cuts of the film, you can mm-hmm. say, like, I enjoy this one, but you have to, the film in itself has to stand up on its original cut. Well, that, that, this crops up a few times in Scott's career, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's, it's weird to say that Blade, everyone else in the world thinks Blade Runner is a stone-cold classic. We we don't think it's a, we think it's a good film, but it's just, it's just not a stone-cold classic. I would very rarely watch Blade Runner. Yeah, I've seen it two maybe three times and yeah. the second and third time was not out of any great desire it was yeah. more a case of oh wrong I can, my opinion can be changed yeah no absolutely um, much the same uh, next film 1985 Legend yeah uh, it's so 80s yep Legend I, haven't, I, can't, uh, I, I know I've seen it but I can't remember it to be honest I can't remember much there's a, there's a few films around that time that I watched quite young and they've all got that kind of same vibe. There's like Willow and Legends and Brazil um, to an extent. Brazil, the one with Bowie in um, Labyrinth. Labyrinth, yeah. Uh, Dark Crystal as well. Kind of, yeah, Dark Crystal just being remade, isn't it? Yeah. All those films kind of bleed into one kooky fantasy. Yeah. Meh for me, and I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm never I don't remember loving it. I can't remember much about it. I remember Tom Cruise being in it. Yes. Um, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm much the same. I, I, I don't recall much. I, I remember being f- watching it as a kid because I was mum and dad probably put it down and said this is a good one for a kid to watch. But yeah, never went for it. Never went for it at all. Um, so we'll skip over that one very quickly because we don't really have much to say on it. Uh, next one, uh, Someone to Watch Over Me. Have you ever seen this one? I have. Oh, really. um, well, I've never seen this one. So you can go with this. What's this one about? First of all, yeah, my, my, yeah, it's it's a it's like a it's like a sexy. <laughs> A sexy crime uh, thriller with Tom Berenger. And, uh, I remember... Kind of like a Tommy uh, Crown affair almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it is uh, that ill. Um, it's, it's got, like, what's her face? Uh, uh, Mimi Rogers, isn't it? Oh, uh, okay. And, yeah, it's just... It's a bit of a kind of sexy noir. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know if it is that good. I, I watched it a few times. Again, when I was far too young, my folks had it on VHS. And I have a kind of weird soft spot for it. Um, is, is it a genre? Would you say it's a genre film? You know, he's like, he's like trying to make. I, yeah, I that would absolutely say it's a genre film. Yeah, yeah I, I would. Um, it's it's very stylish, as you'd expect yeah. with Scott. It's a bit cheesy. Yeah. Um, I I think Sting sings a lot of the soundtrack. <laughs> okay. I remember. 
Um, um, and it's, there's, 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 a, there's a decent twist at the end. Okay. It's, it's worth a watch. I wonder if it's absolute guff now, but right. I, I remember enjoying it um, when I was younger. All right, cool. I'll, I will try and look out then if, it, if it's semi-worth watching. Um, <laughs> after 87 came 89's Black Rain. Incredibly, I have never seen Black Rain, but I, I know often. Yeah, it's Michael Douglas and like sort of there, there was a point bef- like well eighty nine is that after Wall Street or before Wall Street I think it might be after Wall Street isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is Wall Street ninety? No, Wall Street is well in the eighties because it's all dealing with it. Oh no, it was, no, it's Charlie Sheen, so it'll be about eighty seven probably. Yeah, it'll be after. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember if this was like sort of was this um, Douglas cashing in on his Wall Street thing to be like I'm going to be a badass. And it's like... Isn't, he, isn't it a massively racist film? Yes, oh, yes, absolutely. I'm sure it's... There's a Japanese... There's a Japanese... It's very... From what I remember, the Yakuza are involved. Yakuza are involved. It's incredibly racist, which I have to admit, for inadvertent comedy, I am intrigued by. Yeah, it's a film that does not hold up well in today's world. Um, You know, it, it, you do watch it a little bit cringy, you know, but, but I think a lot of 80s films have that. If you watch a lot of movies like that, you know, from the 80s and probably even the late 70s, there is a certain cringeableness to a lot of these sort of movies yeah. where it's like, oh, that. Yeah. I, know, think, I think the 80s amped it up in every sense. I think, it, yeah, it, 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 80s is definitely worse than yeah. the 70s, yes. Yeah, the soundtracks alone. You know, yeah. They, they, would, they, would get, they would pay for one song and then that song would be on loop. Yeah. Um, and it would always be, oh, it would just be so cheesy and kind of, um, <laughs> a lot of brass, but it would be like synth brass. Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of clapping. A lot of Joe Strummer, not that Joe yeah, Strummer, um, yeah. no, not Joe Strummer, Joe Joe Cocker, a lot of Joe Cocker ones. Joe Cocker, yes. Yes, um, yeah. we'd be doing soundtracks. So would um, Sting would do quite a lot of them as well, actually. You know, when you mentioned him before, um, yeah, Sting would be involved. Yeah, they're all they're, 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 they're kind of just, was Randy Newman getting in about it at that point? Maybe he was more nineties. Yeah, but, yeah, maybe yeah, at that yeah. time. Yeah, but yeah it's the same. Would you, would you, yeah, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's that era when like every film, no matter how ridiculous it was had like a soundtrack song that was released and it's like released yeah and you it know, would be huge yeah, yeah that would, it would they would be symbiotic the pair of them oh, the, the song and the film and the video, would, the video for the film on MTV would essentially just be the person singing it with like clips of the film running through it yes and if they, if they had some if they had a bit of money maybe they'd maybe get the actor from the movie to maybe do a walk on on the video yeah, 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 you know that kind of thing. And exactly. Yes. And we were talking. I was talking about this. What recently? When was the last time? When, when did that stop being a thing? Yeah. When did that stop being a thing? See, the last I one I could think like Men in Black. Men, Men in Black is the last one I remember of being huge. I remember yeah. like obviously, obviously Well Well West had one as well, and so did Men in Black too. But Men in Black yeah. one is the one I remember being. That was the, sort of the last hurrah of like. They they used the they used the the video and the, the song to basically publicize the movie. Like the, the, the what about um, I might be before, but my heart would go on. Titanic as well. Titanic was ninety seven, so yeah, yeah, probably around the same time. Around about the same time. I'm, I'm, I can't really think of any more, but it's, it's definitely stopped now. They don't have it anymore. You don't have that iconic soundtrack with the no. great show. You always said great show, and that's that's but that's a musical. It's not it's not a tie in song. Yeah, you know. Like the song, like for example, like Four yeah. the Funeral, um, the Wet 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 song, that has nothing to do with the film, other than the fact that it's in the movie. You know, yes. and, he, and he 
but they used that song to play the arse of it. Anyway, we are, we are going down a... Brian Adams as well. Oh, yeah, like that's probably the prime example. Um, but we are going to yeah. go on, on a random track here now, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Black Rain, it's, I think I remember it's been a very, it's been a, a typical, very 80s movie. And Do you I, think it, it, it's, it it sounds like it's a Tony Scott film? It, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it does feel very much like a Tony Scott movie. It feels something he would have done and it has that sort of sensibility to it. Um, yeah. I definitely think it's a film that after doing it, um, because I think after, I think, I'm sure he'd done Romance in the Stone, he'd done Wall Street, and he'd done this, and he thought of, he had to walk it back and give a, a performance. And I'm sure the next film that Douglas done after this was um, Falling Down. Right, yeah. Which that was at the turn of the... That, that, that was in 90 or 91, I'm sure it was. And yeah. that's most yeah. definitely like sort of a complete departure from this character. You know, oh, right. it, it's yeah. so much more reserved and just you know, it, it's, it's it's a much more, it's a performance more, it's, it's less um, caricature, and it's, it's definitely, sure. it's, it's much a subtler performance. Um, but yeah, Black Rain, if, if you, it's, we always like films that you can drink, you can watch after having a few drinks at the pub, and I think Black yeah. Rain falls into that category, of one of those kind of movies you watch, it'll be on Channel 1, like at 11 o'clock at night, and you'd sort of maybe fall into it on the couch while sleeping off, you know, while dozing off. Yeah, it's definitely... that's certainly the reputation it has, and it is, it is relatively infamous, so I, I, will like to, I would like to get around to it. Yeah, try and find it, decent enough. Um, next one up, 1991, his first director nomination. Um, didn't win it, but did get a nomination for Best Director for Thelma and Louise. Big fan of Thelma and Louise. As do I. It's a good, proper buddy movie. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of buddy movies. You know, I like them in every every guise. I, I like the dynamic of, of, a, of a couple. You have the, obviously we could this, do a, a buddy movie special, like a David thing. Oh, we actually could do a buddy movie special because there's, there's a ton of great ones. You know, you could actually you could totally and all of them are different, but they have the same kind of kind of core elements to them. Um, I really, I think that I've not, I don't watch a film often enough, but I do remember every time I watch it, I really enjoy it. Yep, me too. Great, great performances. Um, got a kind of classic feel. It doesn't feel especially Scott-esque. I don't think really. No, it doesn't. More straight, more straight visual style than usual. Yeah, and it almost does feel like he's trying to capture sort of very much. An, I mean, I'm not going to say indie because indie wasn't a thing then, but it does feel like he's trying to get some sort of like you know guerrilla filmmaking thing yeah. going on. It feels, it feels like he's making it, it, it making it at pace. You know, he's not lingering. Yeah. You know, you know, you can imagine when he's making Blade Runner, every shot took a day to set up. You know. Yeah. You don't get that from this film. This feels like it's very much shooting on the fly. It seems like a, it seems like a, I mean, maybe it's not, but it seems like a very quick shoot. You know, they're moving very quickly, and, and you get that freneticness through the the whole story. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. And um, also uh, introduced us to Brad Pitt as well. It did, and every single way it introduced us to Brad Pitt. You know, getting, so <laughs> does does Scott get credit for discovering Brad Pitt? Yeah, I mean, I know he was famous in America for doing like the Levi commercials. That was his sort of these big, sort of put him yeah. on TV screens. But as an actor, as a performer, I mean, maybe did, maybe could possibly be Brad Pitt that was discovered by Ridley Scott. Weirdly, they've never, yeah. they've never worked together since, which I thought is strange. That is strange to be fair. I hadn't really thought of that. Yeah, I'm looking down. There. No, I don't think they've ever worked together since, which is odd. You think maybe they were? I've noticed that about him. He doesn't seem to. He, to 
Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, every now and again he'll a couple of guys who'll turn up in the film maybe a couple of years down the line and, and we'll get to them later on, but he doesn't seem yeah. to, to hold true to any one actor. He seems to very much be, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll work with who he thinks right for the role and it, it, he's not like, he's not like, um, you know, Scorsese who he imagines because he at times been putting projects on hold in order to work with either at the time De Niro or now it's DiCaprio, obviously. You know, yeah. yeah, and there's all guys like that. You know, um, Spike Lee will you know work with Denzel at every opportunity, and why would you work with Denzel at every opportunity? But yeah, these these guys. Spielberg and Hanks. Spielberg yeah, and Hanks. Yeah. that's only came about fairly recently, not um, in fairness. But yeah, same idea. Yeah, you know, yeah. they seem um, seem to have really captured this. Um, did Spielberg, Spielberg and Cruise work together for a good couple of movies as well? You know, they seem to they seem to get on well. Um, but yeah, I've noticed that about. Um, Scott, he's not doesn't Scott. seem to have much. I mean, you look at, I mean, Alien was, you know, no one big in it at the time, really. You know, people came big after it. Blade Runner, Harrison Ford. Now, you know, what's with Harrison Ford again? I don't think. Um, legend, Tom Cruise. Never watched with Tom Cruise again. Which you think? Wow, you know, it's crazy. Actually, yeah. yeah, this is a really good point. Yeah, again. I don't think he has. No. I don't think so. No, I'm, I'm, I'm having to be quite through. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe he's used it for a voiceover role somewhere, but he's never actually worked with it again. But yeah, so yeah, um, so Thelma Louise, it's a cracking like sort of buddy road movie. It does feel very nineties at times, which is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You know, it does feel it's, it's a product of its time, which absolutely fine. But just a really good buddy road movie, and it feels very much sort of in the vein. Of, it's not as funny as, but it feels like a kind of it's got a spirit of the Blues Brothers about about it. Yeah, totally. You know, so, uh, no, even what was, um, Smoking the Bandit as well. Sorry. Yeah, good point. Do you think he, um, he, he probably deserves a bit of credit for female protagonists as well? Yeah, I mean, other than maybe before this, who'd you have? Maybe Linda Hamilton and um, yeah, and um, Terminator. Other than that, it's the, and Sigourney Weaver obviously as well, and um, uh, Alien. But yeah, he does seem to he does seem to gravitate towards the female character, and at least early in his career, as he moves on later on, he doesn't seem to do that. But at this point, he certainly was yeah. willing to. You know, put a, a female character front and centre. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was. It, there's the thing with Alien. The, the character Ripley wasn't written as well. It was just written as a character called Ripley. So yeah. It was it, never actually. It was a man initially, wasn't it? Or yeah. Or in the script, they thought. Yeah. yeah but then, he did have a reason. So only we were convinced him to give her the role. So maybe that's more just happenstance rather than him being. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, well worth seeing. Um, up next, 1992, so he did start getting very quick here. 1992, the film that I think pretty much almost broke him and pretty much almost broke a studio was 1492, Conquest of Paradise. Uh, one of those infamous films I know about uh, the, the troubles and the tribulations, but I don't, I've never seen it, yeah. to be honest. Um, I don't think it was quite on the same level as was it, um, Cutthroat Island. It wasn't quite on the level of that. Or Fitzcarraldo or something like that. Yeah, or Waterworld, for example. But it's it's yeah. it's definitely a bloated film. You can see it's bloated, and you can see where the troubles are. It is not a bad film by any stretch. It's a decent, re- decent telling of a historical event. How true it is is obviously questionable. Yeah. Um, but as a movie, not a bad film. Not a bad film. And I think hindsight and sort of you know maybe. You know how long has this been since it's been out? Ninety-two, so about good, you know, thirty odd years. It holds up a lot better now than it did, you know, when it first was made. People, people are what people more like to watch this film with less, you know, prejudice coming into it. Yeah, and it, he's he's on the back of 
some real classics, you know, supposedly, isn't he? So there's more pressure on him as well yeah. at that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a decent enough film. Um, up next, 1990, so after that film, they had a bit of a kick and they didn't do it until 1996, um, which is a film that doesn't get enough play, but I actually really enjoy this film. It's called White Squall. Yeah, I enjoy White Squall. That's um, Bridges, isn't it? Yeah, it's, ba- it's basically he's on a boat with a bunch of sort of kids, you know, sort of youth kids, uh, or a youth club, sorry, and it's um, it, they get hit by a rogue wave. And the, f- the film sort of is in flashback about the court case of like trying to basically prove that he did something wrong, essentially. Yeah. But you get to see how all these, you know, the kids, you know, grew up or came to trust each other on the boat and the survival story of that. Um, I, 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 I'm quite a big fan of survival stories generally. Um, and I, yeah, I, I and I, I, it's, it, this again feels like one of those films you would watch late night on Channel One, you know, after coming home from the pub. It's, it's, yeah. it's that kind of level. Um, and I, I really dig it. I, I think it's a really well done, real done movie that doesn't get enough, Enjoy it. doesn't get enough credit. Um, Compared to some other movies that he's done, or movies of the same same type, but no, I think White Squall is an absolute. It's a really cracking film. Bridges is also obviously excellent in it as well, and it, it's yeah. it's. I'm not going to say a straight role for him because he had done straight roles before that with a few things, but it felt a bit. It felt like him almost swinging for his like almost dead poet society role. Yeah, yeah, I give you that. He, he's less Bridges than ever, I suppose, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's holding back. Yeah. yeah, he is very, very sincere. He's, he's you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. almost to the point of being quite saccharine, but it's, I, I, I think it's a completely honest, well-done movie that tells a really good story. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. I like it. Um, after that, so he, what you do notice, when he, when things go well, he gets movies underway really quickly. And when things don't go well, that's when he takes a gap. So this one, White Squall done decent, so 97, he came out with G.I. Jane. What do you make of G.I. Jane? G.I. Jane feels exceptionally 90s when you watch it again. Yeah. I, I watched it at the time, and then I watched it probably 10 years later, just yeah. out of a morbid curiosity, because it, it got absolutely lambasted. Yeah. I remember watching it again, it's not that bad. And then, um, yeah, I watched it again, and it was, yeah, it's, she's not very good to me more, let's be honest. It's, she is not good. It's not her best role. Um... Viggo Mortensen's good in it, because Viggo Mortensen's always good in everything. He's good in everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, I think it's a film that suffers now. Looking at it now, it feels like it's in the climate now. It almost feels like it's pandering, which is at the time it wasn't. No. But I think watching it now, that's what you feel going like, oh, they're, just, they're, they're, they're trying to pander to the sort of, almost the Me Too audience. And yes. it's, it doesn't, it, I don't, they definitely were not doing that. They were, they were trying to do something with the story about, you know, inclusion and, you know, the, the um, you know, the, the, it's a worthwhile story to tell. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah, but it, it just feels so so nineties, and it it just oh, it, it a bit cringy at times. You're watching it now. Yes. Yeah, I, I can well imagine. Yeah. And there's some lines said, and I'm I'm, I'm blanking a few of them, but there's lines said that we've always talked that some actors can say the cringiest lines and give them complete sincerity. You know, with Costner is probably yeah. the king of it. He can say something completely ridiculous that you believe instantly. If you give that line to anyone else, which in this film there are people saying these kind of lines, they don't come across well. They, they come across very, very cringy. Very nasty. Yeah. Um, after G.I. Jane, he took a gap as well because obviously G.I. Jane didn't, I wouldn't say it flopped, but it didn't quite set the world on fire. Um, it got a bit of a kicking. Um, 2000, Gladiator. 
Yeah. It's amazing to think this film, this film is 18 years old, or 19 years old now. It seems crazy to think. It is crazy. It's, um, it's personal. I believe Gladiator 2 is finally happening. Oh. Um, I read this week. So I mean, uh, no spoilers, but... It's disappointing. I, I mean, really yeah. what they're going to do with that. I mean, no spoilers, but Maximus is most definitely dead. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, what do you make of Gladiator? My opinion of Gladiator has changed a lot over the years. Mine has as well. I, I, when I first saw Gladiator in the cinema, cause I can remember seeing it in the movie in the movie theater, and it was I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Like that yeah. whole the battle at the front against the barbarians, you know, yeah. against the, the German tribes. I thought that was phenomenal. The the fight in the Colosseum against. Um, the, the the chariot race thing they do when they're, they're trying to yeah. recreate the the battle of Thermopylae I think it was absolutely brilliant as well um, I thought Russell Crowe really embodied that role and it, it was the first time I'd actually seen Russell Crowe in anything because at that time I was probably a, maybe a bit too young to see stuff like Romper Stomper so yeah, this was this was this yeah. is definitely my first introduction to Russell Crowe as a, as an actor because um, I don't think I seen Ellie Confidential at that point either no me neither no. Um, I think um, so. Thought he was great. I thought Wacken Phoenix is fantastic in this film. He is playing the ult- he's playing a great yeah. baddie. He does it with such a plum and such so such a snarling, sna- sniveling, and sniffling. such enjoyment, oh. such enjoyment as well. Yeah. You know, he seems he, yeah. he seems oh. in the same way that Rickman enjoys it when he's playing. You know, the, the prince of um, the, the sheriff yes. of Nottingham. It's that level of just yes. real enjoyment of this of this nasty character, really nasty, nasty yeah. character. Um, most of the story I think works really good and I really like it. I like the conclusion to um, I like the battle with um, the final fight and stuff like that. And for a long time, loved this film. It was one of the, I think it was like the second or third DVD I bought. Um, so it was definitely one of the films that I absolutely loved. As I've rewatched it over the past, like say, 10 years, it does feel very dated. It feels at times very yeah. BBC drama. You know, Doesn't it? Yeah. It, just, it feels like it, oh. I can't think of many films that have dated more. Uh, uh-huh. I, and that's crazy. It's it's two thousand. Yeah. But it is it it becomes really hammy. Um, yep. don't get me wrong, Crow and Phoenix are fucking incredible in it. They are both Oscar worthy. I know Phoenix didn't win, but Crow did. Yeah. Both absolutely fantastic. But I love a bit of swords and sandals. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. No, but it just feel it feels very the visuals have dated a lot. Yeah. Uh, the music is too on the nose. Yep. It's too. Uh, it's it's mining for tears with its emotive. Yep. Emotive in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, who's the chap we're both not a fan of? Uh, Dijon. Yeah. Uh, he's terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Um, and there are a lot of aspects of it that, uh, that really just made me cringe. And yeah. Quite camp as well, actually. Yeah. It just it, it's weird how much, how little it holds up. Now I was thinking, watching it, going, there's other films out at the same time. Like something like saying Braveheart was out at the same time. Not not exactly, but maybe a couple, maybe a year or so before it. Does that hold yeah. up after I mean, I, I, taking away how we feel that film from a nationalistic point of view? <laughs> you know how much we enjoy that type of film. Does it? It doesn't. It, for me, anyway, that doesn't have the same cringiness as no. as this. No. And the battle no, scenes in. And about there's, a gritty, there's a gritty realism that grounds Braveheart despite the ridiculousness and yes. then, you know, the, the, the loose um, threads of history yeah. <laughs> being stretched to within an inch of reality. Yeah. But it's still, there's a gritty realism, whereas 
Gladiator feels a bit, like you said, it's a bit like a, at times, and, and this is probably a bit too daft, but at times a bit like a BBC production of iClaudia or something. Yeah, no, that's... When, when I watch the battle scenes from Braveheart, I, I still think they're solid, really well done battle scenes, and you, oh, yeah. you get the freneticness of the medieval battlefield. When I'm watching Brave um, Gladiator now, when I, when I last time I watched it, apart from the, 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 the battle at the start, I think the battle at the start still holds up fantastically well. But no. see, the st- all the stuff in the Colosseum now, you can almost see them counting the sword strokes. You can see them almost, almost mouthing them off. And it seems, uh, and maybe that's because we've been spoiled with stuff since uh, Gladiator, but it feels very soft and very sort of very tame in comparison yeah. now. It does, it, it does. Um, it's it's still a good film. Yeah, I, I find it. I, I thought it was an absolute stonewall classic when I first watched. Yeah, it. I'm the same. But it, it, it's it's not dated well, which yeah, is a shame. Agreed. Yeah, which is a real yeah, shame. Um, but after that, he he done well. You know, it won Best Picture, which I think that's one of the ones you look at Best Picture and go, "What else was up for? What else was up that year? Two thousand? You know, I've been intrigued to know. You know, what? what yeah, what? I mean, it, it did kind of sweet. It, it captured everyone's imagination yeah. at the time. In the same way that Braveheart did as well. Braveheart, you look at it, you go, "There must have been other films in that year that were up for awards." Maybe go, "I feel a bit cheated that that won it." Um, I'll have to check back and see that. But Gladiator, much the same. I feel like. Mm, I've been, I've been interested to know what was up for the best picture that year, who, you know, who didn't win based on that. Um, yeah, that would be good to know, actually. Let's um, see if I can quickly find out why you talk us through the next yeah. film. <laughs> next film is it's a very odd choice. You know, riding high from a best picture, um, riding high from an Oscar nomination for best director as well. Um, 2001, he did Hannibal. Yeah. Which, um, obviously, based on... the a sequel to Science of the Lambs, based on the book that Thomas Harris wrote, which... I remember very excited to buy the book. My parents bought me that book when I was like fourteen, which I think was a terrible decision by them to buy me the book Hannibal. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy, there's a bit of a pig that eats a man alive in it in that book. Um, I mean, that explains a lot. That does explain a lot about myself, yes. But they, they, I think they're partly to blame now when you think, start thinking what they're showing me. Um, it's as I, I don't like it. I think it's a shit sequel. I think it's it's. It has all this, the problems of sequels. Yeah, it's not good. They, they seem to think the, the 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 biggest attraction of Silence of the Lambs is Hannibal Lecter. That's not the biggest attraction of Silence of the Lambs. You know, it, it's the relationship between him and Jodie Foster. It's Jodie yeah. Foster trying to capture Buffalo Bill. It, it's a, it's the intrigue of that story. When you make the film about Hannibal. Mm-hmm. You lose interest because you and also you know where it ends and stuff like you know you know what it's you know what's going to happen to yeah. a great degree, and he, he's just he's, he's not and he doesn't have the same level of terror. There's something when he's out in the real world, he doesn't feel as terrifying as he is when he's in the cage. No, you're you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. It was a really misguided, um, uh, misguided film. Should should never exist. Really, no. it's just stood alone. Sons of the Lambs. Yeah. A, Classic. Yeah, no, yeah. I've no problem with Manhunter, the one with Brian Cox playing um, Lecter. It's a, it's a cracking movie as well. And again, that boils down to yeah. Lecter's in the cage. He's just this voice of insanity in, in the room. You know, they will sane and basically sane insanity. You know, you don't know how to take him, and that works. But now, nah, Hannibal as a movie just did not work for me. It just I found it very dull, very boring. Um, it's I've Ed only Norton. ever seen it once, and it, I, I thought the same. It's Ed Norton, isn't it? Am I right to think it's Ed Norton? Or is, or is that Red Dragon he's in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, 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 
Yeah, no, it, it is, I think. Is it F9? I can't remember now. Uh, so long ago. Yeah, so long ago. Yeah, I remember not enjoying it at all, not liking it at all. And I'm a, big, I'm a huge Science of the Lambs fan. I love Science of the Lambs. You know, I'll, I'll reference Science of the Lambs on an almost weekly basis. You know, so I, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, so it's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a perfect, it's a perfect song. Yeah, perfect and song, to, 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 show, to throw this one, it's just uh, a bit rotten. Um, 2001, he was, he was busy that year. I don't know if it's one of these what one for you, one for me type things because his other film that year is Black Hawk Down, um, which is generally I think an absolutely cracking movie. I, I, I think that film does film. does still yeah. hold up um, exceptionally well, and it's it came out. I don't think it came out that long after Private Ryan, and it it captures oh, right. it captures to that extent that freneticness of war. You know the, the complete misunderstanding, the complete not having a fucking clue what's going on and ultimately the yep. only person you can trust is the guy who's standing to your left and to your right you know, once the bullets start flying the, sort of the mission progress goes completely out the window and all you're trying to do is survive and yep. I, thought, I thought it got I, I thought it bought, I thought that got wrapped really well and it, it ties together what, about, I'm going to say at least, what, 20 characters in that film? Yeah, yeah, it's just, the, the cast is huge yeah. there's so many people and there's so many familiar heads the best thing about that film I remember is just, and you've touched on it really, is that um, the sheer uh, relentlessness of it. Yes, it's, it's it's not your um, it's not your, your your tonal poem of a war film. You no, know, it's not, you're not Terrence Malick at all. It's, it's it's Ridley getting his brother's chops again. Tony Scott style, which is completely visceral, and there's a fuck, there's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot going on, but you, you always feel like you know you always feel like you know what's going on, which I think is important in war. Like you can some films, yes. are, some they're trying to try and copy this style of film, they get lost and and they don't tell you enough of what's going on, and they, and they, they try and put any too many strands in the film. This film has got yeah. a shit ton going on, but there's always quite a, a very focal point of which is they're stuck in this city, they have to survive the night, they have to get, find a way to get out of the city by you know by nightfall, and if they're in by nightfall, they're fucked, you know. And they, yeah. and you get that throughout the whole film, and it works really well for me. I think it's a great film. I think Eric Banner is excellent in it. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he is. That's great. And um, probably a film up. I know again he had done all stuff in Australia, and he, he had um, what, what was his big film in Australia? The one he played the, the criminal. Chopper. Chopper. I know he had that. I didn't. I hadn't seen Chopper at the time. This is a film for me that kind of launched him into something much bigger. You know, I'm pretty sure it was on the back of this. He got stuff like the Hulk and all that kind of. You know, the kind of. The big, yeah. the big movies, um, but no, I think Black Hawk Down is a great. It's one of the great war films, like modern war films, anyway. Um, that, that deserves to be up there with things like Private Ryan, Thin Red Line, all the kind of movies that, that, that show war for kind of what it is. You know, just this kind of really fucking horrible, nasty, dirty, bloody yeah. thing. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a big fan of it. Um, remember really liking it, and uh, like most good films really but it seems to be particularly um, relevant to, to war or horror films the soundtrack is key yeah and, um, Hans Zimmer's soundtrack I remember it being pretty fucking great yeah and uh, you don't see Josh Hartnett very much these days uh, no you don't he's in this time yeah that's just a, almost a try to make Josh Hartnett a star and he just never went for, it never really happened for Josh Hartnett also in this film it, it holds up pretty relevant now as well you know even yeah you know the idea of like, you know you know insurgent missions and you know Black Hawk mm-hmm. operations, stuff like that. You know, it's it's not. That's definitely not gone away. You know, in something yeah. like um, Eye in the Sky last year or a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good film. You know, yeah. they they kind of they kind of capture the idea of you know you know 
you know, the, the misunderstanding of it, but they do it obviously in a different way. We're not doing it with soldiers anymore, we're doing it with, with robots and drones, but they've got the same, same kind of context and idea to it. But no, Black Hawk Down, I really dig. This is one I actually didn't know was a Ridley Scott film, and I haven't seen it, and, I, and because of who's in it, I want to see it, and I, I can't believe I haven't seen it. Um, 2003, Matchstick Men. Love it. Star- Absolutely love it. Starring Nick Cage. He's, he's, he's a con man, correct? Trying to pull off a bank heist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a con man with Tourette's. Oh. Yeah. Um, and Cage is, uh, it's such a cliche to say this, but he's Maximum Cage. Yes. Um, but it's, it's legitimate Cage. You know, it's, he, he finds the balance. Like Scott manages to, he coaxes the brilliant performance out of him as, well, you probably don't need to do much to do that, but he keeps him on, keeps him on the right side of, um, believable rather than just parody so you're, you're not just watching Cage you can actually enjoy the film uh, as well uh, it's got Sam Rockwell in yep. I remember right. um, and yeah just just really fucking cool little film Look, very, as you say it's, it's his it's kind of foray into indie cinema uh-huh. I guess um, yeah it's, it's kind of a little, a little forgotten gem yeah. I really dig it yeah, um, I, it's a, I didn't even notice him. I've, I remember seeing it when it came out, and just I'm not actually seeing it, but she's seen it. Going, oh, that sounds like an interesting movie. Didn't did not spark to me the Ridley Scott movie. But I guess after you've done something as big and as huge as something like Black Hawk Down, maybe you want to bring it down. You, know, you want to bring yeah, it something, yeah. something much smaller, much more intimate. You know, the big. And it, it does. It doesn't feel like a, a Ridley Scott film. It just feels like a. We talked about. And previously, it feels like it could be like a Ron Howard film. Like someone's just come in and done a good job, you know, um, and, and they're not leaving their stylistic mark on it, but they're just doing a good job and letting great actors do their job. Right, cool. I will certainly, I will look that, I'll definitely look that one out. Um, after yeah. this one, uh, after Matchstick Men, he returned to the Swords and Sandal epicness, um, you know, retreading that with this time Kingdom of, Kingdom of Heaven, which... Uh, yeah. Starring Orlando Bloom as a young knight taking on the Crusades, essentially, um, and taking on, well, supporting all of Christendom as they take take on the, the evil the evil empires. Um, this film, I will say this: the, the original cut isn't very good, but the director's cut is much better. Which again, I don't judge. Yeah, maybe, maybe you tell me that. Yeah. Yeah, I still think you should judge a film based on its original cut, but I'm just saying if you are looking for a, a better movie, you can you know, you can always try and watch that. Um, it's a film that suffers, I think, from its lead actor. Orlando yeah. Bloom is not a lead no. actor. No, good God, no. He, he, no. he can't. He can't hold a film. He can't front a movie. Um, everything he's done up until that point had been, you know, a lot of rings, obviously. But in Lord of the Rings, he was one of you know forty characters. You know, yeah. and had very minimal dialogue in it. He didn't actually have to do that much at all, and just look cool in a wig and shoot a bow and arrow so he didn't have to do that much with it this had asked him to do some heavy lifting yeah. and, and to perform the story and he just doesn't have it I don't think he can act very well no <laughs> um, I, I've never I don't like being mean for the sake of being mean it obviously must have some talent to have got where he's got but yep. in a way it kind of just seems like he's just a handsome man um, who's, who seems to have garnered a career he did not necessarily deserve as such. But maybe it's just not for me. But yeah. I'm definitely a fan of Orlando. Yeah. But he got him Katy Perry, so well, well done to him. Is he? Yeah. Did not know that. There you go, yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of, kind of, it's, it's not a bad historical epic. It's bloated, very bloated. Um, 
it has some questionable politics in it that you may be going to go, eh, maybe not on, not be not on point anymore. Um, but again, it feels, it feels like a guy who's trying desperately to recapture what he'd done in Gladiator and just doesn't have the cast to do it. You know, because I think that's what yeah. we discussed before. The, the, when you break Gladiator down, it's quite hammy and not as great as you think it is. But the one thing that does stand out in Gladiator is is um, Russell Crowe and Wacom Phoenix. Yes, you know, and, absolutely. And that doesn't have this doesn't have Russell Crowe and Wacom Phoenix. It's got Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Damning. Damning indeed. But like I said, if you want to watch the director's cut, it's it's a much tighter, solder film and it makes a lot more sense. I will at some stage get around to that. Yeah. Um, 2006, um, he, re- he actually reunites with someone. He reunites with uh, Russell Crowe um, in a film called A Good Year. I've I've never seen the trailer for it. It's about a guy who just is making wine in Tuscany or something and it did it just looked like it looked it, dull he's, yeah it just looked like he's there's a big smile of Russell Crowe I don't want smile of Russell Crowe I want Crowe with an edge yeah some bad hand to him I don't want Crowe in a romantic comedy now I've written it off completely it might be a beautiful film about yep. the human spirit I don't know uh, yeah. it looks very dull that's I've never seen it and the reason for that is it looks very dull. And it, to me, like you mentioned the guy Ron Howard earlier on, this seems like it's going to be a Ron Howard movie. Yeah, yeah, it does actually. Rather than Ridley Scott. But I think it's a bit of a passion project for both of them. I think it was based on a book, perhaps. I'm not I'm not 100% on that. But yeah, it didn't... It, looks, it has to be based on a book. It looks very, you know, like a French novel. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looked It looked far too middle-upper class for me to enjoy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I rallied against that on principle. Yeah, just, so. yeah. Um, but after that, 2007, um, American Gangster. Yeah, what? What? You, that was that was a, a really big film for him. Yeah. What did you make of American Gangster? I'll I'll be honest. I love Denzel in it, but I always have a real issue with the glorification of gangsters. Yes. Which I do. I I I think that there, there's been an issue where that's being co-opted or people have misinterpreted certainly some of Scorsese's work yes. has been misinterpreted um, uh, I think ultimately that isn't my issue with it such I think it's just it, it, it's got such star quality but it it's a slow burner that doesn't give you the payoff you, you want no, absolutely. It, takes so long, it takes so long for Denzel and Russell Crowe to be on screen together and you wait for it you wait for it and then when they are it's a bit like meh yeah, um, I mean the fuse is lit very early on with it, and you know it's building towards something. But the build, it, it it's building a building that you know fifty stories high, and there's never a leap, you know to, no. you know it just. And I don't know if that's because of the, it's based on a true story and there was no climactic ending to it. Mm. And if that's the case, yeah. don't make the goddamn movie then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? We're not interested if there's nothing. It's not really that interesting a story. Yeah. In truth, is it? No, I don't think it is. It's not, definitely not, it's not, and it's not got the same flair as like the Scarface story, which obviously is based on some level of truth. Um, yeah. Casino as well, but the, it's hyper-realised. If he did go, if he did go totally hyper-realised with this, it might have worked better. You know, it might have been, yeah. it, might have, it might have actually, yeah, but, been a bit looser with it. Yeah. yeah. But part of me thinks that might have been Denzel, what if, you know, he wants to get truth to the roots of the character, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, Denzel hadn't kind of cut loose at this point in time. 
You know, I think it wasn't until the equaliser you started to see this other side. Of, well, not maybe equaliser, but stuff. Tony Scott got a loose side out of Denzel. You know, he did. Yeah. You know stuff. Did. You know stuff like um, was that one on the on the the train like Unstoppable or something like that? Unstoppable. Which is utterly Final ridiculous, fire. utterly stupid but brilliant. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, taking a pill from Jump one, two, three as well, that kind of stuff, and yeah. you know, and yeah. the equaliser and stuff like that, things like that. Denzel's not in that mindset in this kind of era. He's, he's, he is still being the very serious Denzel, which is great. Denzel doing that is phenomenal. There's no, there's no doubt in that. But this maybe needs either someone who can maybe bring it almost bigger. Uh-huh. It, it almost needs, I hate to say it, it only needs like a Sam Jackson. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Who can ramp himself? Yeah, just hammer up that something. You, you can't not you cannot doubt Denzel's acting ability and no one would ever do that, yeah. but maybe just maybe he wasn't right for this role. Perhaps. You know? Yeah. Um yeah, but yeah, it never really it never really jive in me this film that much. No, no, me neither. I really, really wanted to love it. I yeah. remember being so disappointed. I watched it with my dad and we were both very disappointed. I remember there was way too much piano playing. There's not... a lot of piano playing there was. I recall it's it's way more in the film than it required. Um, After that, uh, 2008 was Body of Lies. See, I like Body of Lies. I know that's not a popular opinion. I I think it's big, dumb and quite stupid and and a lot more fun than American Gangster. I quite like it. This is Crow and DiCaprio, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So maybe Crow's his muse then. Crow must be his muse. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, We've still got a couple to go, haven't we? I think one more to go with Maybe him. One. Yeah. Um, one, yeah. I've only seen Body Lies once. I remember enjoying it, but I remember it being very disposable. Like I, I watched it, enjoyed it. I'm going. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to watch that film again. Again, again it's, it's like it's it's when he sometimes he, he does veer down the Tony Scott route. He doesn't do it as well as his brother, I have to say. But yeah. uh, the, the the big dumb dumb flick and it's it's loads of tropes and it's it's quite predictable, but it looks cool and it's yeah it's. It's decent. It's decent enough. I, I quite enjoyed Body of Lies. It wasn't taking itself as seriously as American Gangster. It wasn't trying to be this artistic masterpiece, this Scorsese, um, you know, uh, you know, auto classic. It was just a good, solid, twisty, turny thriller. Yeah, and it, that's a, it felt like a really good, solid thriller. That's what it felt like. It felt like it's a yeah. good, a decent enough three-act structure, and you could watch it again. Home from a night out, yeah. lying on the couch watching it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you go. You probably watch it after four or five drinks and go, "That's a great movie." Watch it sober, you go, "It's not a great movie, but it's a good movie." Yes. You know, it's that kind of level. It's certainly enjoyable. Um, after that, his I think this is his last film, 2010, with Russell Crowe, and that is the reboot, relaunch, rehashing, remake of Robin Hood. Yeah, it's, it's a piece of shit. It is. It's I don't like it. It's awful. Yeah. And this is a film with Mark Strong in it, and, and we love Mark Strong. We do. We're big fans of Mark Strong. He is the supporting man, supporting man. Yes. Never feels to disappoint. This is, oh, this is turgid. Yeah. I like it. It's got Alan Doyle in it, who, if you don't know him, he's a, he's a, a Canadian singer who sings with a band called Great Big Sea, who are essentially the, great, the proclaimers of Canada, who I love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do not know this. Who is he? What, it, what's he called? He's called Alan Doyle. Okay. Um, and the part, he, he is the guy. You know, you know Russell Crowe's in a band. Yes. This is the guy he's in a band with. Oh wow! So, really? So Alan Doyle's got particularly famous, more so than he probably should be. 
by the fact that he's, one, his best mate <laughs> is Russell Crowe. But they're in a band, called, they're in a Canadian band called Great Big, no, they're not in a band, sorry, he's got a band called Great Big C, who are... No, they, they've the, the big grunts or something like that. No, 30-odd foot of grunts, that's the name of Russell Crowe's band, but Great Big C are the Canadian band, who are generally very big in Canada, they, they sell out massive arenas in Canada, and they are quite beloved, really? they're quite beloved in Canada. Um, they do a particularly, you'll detest it in every way, um, cover of R.E.M. It's the End of the World as we know it, which I know you'll... Oh, no! I will send it on to you later, but I, I like them as a band. I like him, and I, I like him as a person. He is quite a funny guy um, when you hear him on Twitter and things like that. But yeah, this film itself, Robin Hood, terrible. Awful. Just, just an absolute. I would not say a waste of film, but just nothing original in it at all. No. Why is it being made? Yeah. Why? The original's so good. What, I mean, what's Crow's accent as well? Like, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's five different accents. Yeah. Oh, and I think, God, it's bad. And I think the, the, the most recent Robin Hood remake with, um, what's his name? Um, Taron Edgerton. Ran into the same problem. The Robin Hood story, right, what it is, it is it's legitimately stupid. Yes. It, it, it's, it's, it's essentially a superhero story, and it, it, in that level, it doesn't really make sense. You know, and... Yeah. There's also an idea of like the, the guy might not even exist. It might just be, it, it could just, it's just it's folk tales and fairy tales and you know amalgamation uh-huh. of different. So give it that, and that's what for rightly or wrongly that's what I think the Kevin Costner version does. What some of the other versions in the past do, they get to the the, the nature of the sort of the fantasyful nature of the Robin Hood story, which is great, and I and I'll, I enjoy that. That's why my, one of my favorite films is the Disney one when it's the fucking sexy fox. I love that movie. <laughs> When you try and treat Robin Hood as a serious, like, historical thing... Yeah, you it, can't, no, you can't, no. It yeah, doesn't work yeah. as well. It just, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't jive. No. No. Yeah. It's, yeah, you can't, you can't have a gritty realism because it's too ridiculous. Oh. So, yeah, it needs to be full of... You know, you can have high drama. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, you can have drama. You can you can have you can have a thriller aspect to it, but it's got to be have a, it's almost got to be tongue in cheek. It's got to be, it, it doesn't have to be men in tights, but it has to be <laughs> at the very least Robin and Marion. Uh, yeah. Uh, we can say categorically that men in tights is a vastly superior film. Yes. To this. Yes, yes, we can. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, although I haven't seen the new Robin Hood film, so I don't know how bad that is or how good that is. So I haven't seen that one yet, so I can't judge it against I this one. No. What they, I saw a great um, review, I think it might be Robbie Collin where he called it um, the Brexit Robin Hood. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, that's been, the trailer, for that film, the trailer for that film promoted it as Britain's first superhero. I'm like, oh, that seems, yeah. you know, if, if he's been backed up by the National Front almost, it felt like when he was watching the trailer. Yeah, yeah, they're all wearing definitely. hoods and stuff. Anyway, Robin Hood, not anyone's finest moment, apart from Alan Doyle, who was good, um, who yes. I like. Um, well done, Alan. <laughs> 2012. I think Alan Doyle got a shout out more missing than anything else ever in his life. Um, 2012, a film that I can honestly say I've never been more hyped to see. Um, I went into it with beyond levels of excitement for this film. You know, it was it was yeah. Scott returning to the university he launched and he created, and and then he comes out with Prometheus yeah. and. 
I, I don't no. think I've been. I don't think I've been so disappointed no. in a film for all, in all my life coming out of cinema. I was just. I, I, I was so just done with it. Yeah, I, I was. It's the, it's the it's the angriest I've ever felt. I still I'm still embroiled. As I know you all are in seven years on, I'm still embroiled in huge debates with my work colleagues, many of whom still adore this film and tell me I need to let it go. Yeah. It's a piece of utter turd. Yeah. It's awful. It's an awful film. Yeah. It could have been great and it's just terrible. It has has awful fast bender in it and that is all that takes a lot to make fast bender awful. It really does. And he's well, he's trying and it just one of the things is no one in that film seems like they belong in the world of that film. In no. that universe. Already. So, so Scott created that universe and he doesn't seem to understand it at this point in time. And I think no. constantly trying to put this mythos into a character that didn't, the character didn't have any mythos to begin with just seems so legitimately stupid. And it's, oh, it's trying such, to give it, trying to link it with some kind of a religious deification and, 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 and give it this epic, grandiose backstory. It's like, no, it's a fucking monster. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. What? <coughs> it's, it's the pitfall that that, that a lot of um, storytelling can fall down. Or that it's kind of Hannibal again, isn't it? Yeah. You know, in, a, in a different way. You know, and it's like, well, we're, we're interested in the threat. Uh-huh. We're not interested in the, the villain itself, yeah. per se. We're interested in that reaction and how that plays off against the yeah. characters. But, uh, it's, it could have been really good. You yeah. have to say visually, it's fucking stunning. That yes. opening scene is great, and I was so excited, like myself. But, it, but yeah, it but the, the opening scene is great, it looks stunning, but ultimately I don't understand what the hell it was about. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a very... <coughs> um, Script-wise, it feels all over the place. It feels like it's being redrafted about... 500 times yep. I'm a fan of Damon Lindelof when he's good um, uh, he's the co-writer um, but he can be um, somewhat convoluted and tang- tie himself in knots sometimes and he definitely does on this film for me lots of people really fucking love it really I, love it I don't I generally don't understand it, 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 it I don't understand why people like this film it, it seems it's so all over the place I don't care where the alien comes is this idea of giving it an origin I don't care where the alien comes from I don't need to know where the alien no, comes from. I don't either. Exactly. The alien is alien. It's terrifying. No. It's scary. That's all. I give, that's all. That's all it is. It doesn't have to have a home planet or be part of some weird traveling dynasty that goes through the galaxy every thousand years. It doesn't have to be that. It just has to be a no. fucking alien that kills people. You know, it's a bad bastard. I get that. I, I can live with that. I can live with that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Prometheus again. This is. This is a bad run he's on this now. Although the next film up is a terrible film, but you 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 will defend it, I believe. Um, <laughs> right, hear me out. Which is twenty thirteen's The Counselor. Right, okay. Right, like this isn't a hill I'm gonna die on, by the way. <laughs> I I will I will caveat this by saying I'm aware it's not a very good film. Okay. But I, but I will like it because it's so fucking mental. Um. I'm a bit unbiased because the screenplay is written by Cormac McCarthy. Yes, I'm a big fan. My all-time all favourite uh, novelist. Yep. And I just loved the idea of this like, 90-year-old guy who's probably never even fucking seen a film yeah. since 
since, since they became talkies, just they somehow coerced him into writing uh, a screenplay. I'm assuming <laughs> the screenplay for this looked like the book The Road, where it's like like half sentences and barely structured yeah. thoughts. I'm, I'm assuming it's, it, it, it looked like that. Yeah, it, it, it must have been, and you know, there's it's it's completely batshit. I oh. think it would have been a great novel. <laughs> yeah, because some of the dialogue is so McCarthy. So I'm yeah. I'm geeking out on some of the dialogue because I'm thinking that is a great line. That is a great line. But there is no like structure to it at all, and the film is completely insane. Yeah. And it's it's really fucking bleak as well. Oh. Obviously, McCarthy is bleak, but. Uh, I have a, a strange, uh, you know, I've watched The Counselor a few times, so yeah, I, you, I, I quite like it, but I, I'm fully aware of the pitfalls, which I'm sure you'll, you'll iron out now for us. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like, the problem I think it's got is it's, the structure of the film doesn't make sense, it, it's all over the place, there's plot holes literally a mile wide, characters are sort of, at times, over the top flamboyant and then just suddenly change on a whim, you know, it just, it, yeah. there seems to be no real idea of what the overall tone of this film was and what it was going to be. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Cormac McCarthy, did he write No Country for Old Men, the book? He did, yeah. Yes. So, the two films that have been adapted from his work so far have been No Country for Old Men and The Road. And I think the important point was there is they've been adapted from his work. Yeah. <laughs> you know. They're probably two of the most faithful adaptations. Yeah. That's the irony, because his, his books are so cinematic. Oh. There aren't really any differences between the films and the books. But it, um, it requires someone to put that structure in to, to make that film. Yes. And yes. I think, doesn't even use um, punctuation no. in his books. You know, I remember, yeah. I, remember, I remember reading The Road for the first time and I'm thinking, I'm, yeah. I didn't know, you don't really know what you're reading at first. You're like, this is. Yeah. Like, everything you're taught in school of how to write is completely thrown out the window. And people go, well, he's a genius, that's why he can do it. It's like, going, well, I, I used to do that in primary five and told, uh, told <laughs> not to do it. You know? Yeah. Not um, I love. I think the road's a, the road's a phenomenal book, and I, I've read it. I've read it many times, and I absolutely love it. But it's an odd book to read. But yeah, the, his films are adapted, and that's much more important. You know, these books. It's a good point, man. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, this one needed someone else, maybe someone to work alongside him. But then, who the hell do you get to work alongside him? You know, like who, do you, who sits in the room next to him and trying to tell Cormac McCarthy what to do? You know, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe maybe this is why you don't get to octogenarian. You know, you've got an eight-year-old dog. He's been about 70s at this point, yeah. He's been in his 70s at this point. Right yeah. Aye. 70s at this point, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you know what the problem I think, and that's like a big pattern, it's an eight-year-old guy and it's a 70 year old guy, they felt they were trying to make a modern movie, to a degree. It felt like he was trying to be a bit edgy, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like yeah. they'd seen stuff that came out, maybe not, maybe tarantino maybe even almost like Finchery almost, and they're yes. trying to do that, and it's like, mm, you don't really know what... What that is, and there's nothing wrong with doing your own thing. Um, yeah, just do your own thing. Yeah, it's like a trying to be nineties irony. Um, oh, um, yeah. So those films, Robin Hood, Prometheus, The Council, despite your defence of it, um, were generally beaten down. What was more amazing is those were not the worst films that he did in this period. Twenty twenty fourteen brought the creme de la creme of pieces of awful cinema that just. Stunk of overbloated nonsense, um, and that was Exodus, Gods and Kings. Christian Bale, Moses Story. Yeah, this is. Oh, yeah, this is terrible. Yeah. Like, so bad. So I, I can't even. 
Again, a great cast. Great cast, really but cast. an utterly tone-deaf cast by having, like, say, Christian Bale, great actor. He's a pretty white guy, you know? He's he's exceptionally white. You know, having him playing Moses seemed, seemed weird to begin with. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it just, it, it was so bloated, so overblown, and just an absolute slog to get through. And I love it, and I'm, maybe it's a, being raised somewhat Catholic, I actually enjoy a really good biblical epic, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of drama, high drama, yeah. violence. Yeah, yeah, it's all, yeah, it, it, it all works. Bullshit. You know, I, I like the Ten Commandments. I, I actually enjoy the shit out of Noah, the, the Russell Crowe one. You know, people don't like it, but I actually will defend that film yeah. to a great degree. Because yeah. um, it gets down to the very, very, it gets down to the text, which is what it's adapting, which is absolutely fine in my, in my opinion. Um, so, but this is just, it, it almost feels like, you know the films you get coming out of the, like, the, America from the red states, these sort of like biblical sort of retellings that are done for almost for like Sunday school kids, you know, and they watch yeah. them. It's like almost like a propaganda. Yes, <laughs> yeah, almost a propaganda yeah. film, but not having the subtle, not even the subtlety, not even having the grandeur of something like say Passion of the Christ, you know, the, the Mel Gibson one, which yeah. for all it's worth, that that's a that's a brave piece of filmmaking, Passion of the Christ. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's a really good. Yeah, it takes risks. It does a lot of stuff. Watch. Don't expect this film takes no risk. It, it's just, it's trying to turn the, the the ten plagues and the Moses story into essentially like a superhero mummy story. You know, it's like yeah, you know, into that's like a almost really good point. Almost that's exactly a, what it's trying to do. Yeah. and it's falling so short of everything and compromising all. Yeah, all make, them. it's making it into like a video game almost of like you must survive the locust and you can survive this and you can, and it's like oh it's just oh. Bloated, and I thought a generally, a generally awful movie. So we are ragging on Mr. Scott right now, so that's, that's a bad run. Robin Hood, Prometheus, The Counselor, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Thankfully, 2015, he comes back for a bang. And that, fil- and that film is The Martian. The Martian is fantastic. Yeah. It's really, really good. And it's really funny. You don't normally associate humour with his films. No, definitely not. I think that comes from the script. It's Drew Goddard done the script for it. Um, he wrote Cloverfield, um, and he wrote uh, Cabin in the Woods, and he's done a few other things just now. Um, I think he's done that one recently, not the one... Oh, not... that one, I haven't seen it yet, El Royale. Yes, done El Royale. Yeah. Not, not as good as some of its parts, but still very enjoyable. Um the Martian. I love the book of The Martian. If you ever, if you ever get a chance to read it, it's a really enjoyable. Oh, no, I haven't read the book actually. It's, it's, weird, it, it's not the best book in the world, but it's a, it's an enjoyable romp. It is a good fun yeah. read. You know, you'll battle through. Pulpy page turner. Absolutely, and yeah, and we're all credit to the guy who done it. Um, but reading his second book, I can pretty much tell The Martian is a bit of gold and a very what will be a very grey career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I, I know it sounds really bad, but like. I think his next one, I can't remember what it's called now. Ah, I'm, I'm, I think it's called Artemis, I think is his, new, is his follow-up. Yeah, very blah. Very, and it felt like, yeah, you've hit, you hit gold with The Martian. The Martian will allow you to do everything you want to do because that's a book and film that will keep paying you off over and over again. So yeah. you're totally Forever. fine. Um, but The Martian, I, I think The Martian's a great movie. I love it. It's exceptionally funny. It has that whole man alone survival thing which I really like in a movie um, as well. Um, Scott allows the, the, the story to flow nicely. He doesn't seem to try and push the script or slow it down. He lets, he just lets it all flow very naturally. 
he keeps a nice balance between the stuff on Mars, the stuff back in Mission Control, the stuff back on another spacecraft. I, I, I genuinely think it's a really nice, well-balanced, and also kind of grown-up film. It, it doesn't feel like it's pandering to a child, to make it like child, like, you know, to appeal to the 12-year-olds in the crowd. It's like, you know, it's like, it'll make a film for an adult, and, I, and I totally, yeah. I'm totally with that, and I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a film entirely comfortable in its own skin, and yep. all the better for it. And every time I don't watch it, I've got it in Blu-ray. I don't watch it often enough. But every time I put it on, I go, I fucking really enjoyed that movie, and I will watch that yeah. movie again. It, it only gets better as well. Yeah, you it, it feels very good. Best clearly for a long time. Best clearly and almost since you know since two thousand and ten. So that's like that's like a good five year run. But it, he, he does do a lot of stuff. He keeps putting a lot of stuff out. Um, Twenty seven. We're in. We're in the home stretch. Two more to go. Twenty seventeen is all the money in the world. Which is I, 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 I thought this was fine. That's a perfect description. It is a hundred percent fine. It's yeah. it's an okay telling of a story. There's better versions of telling this story. You know, I've heard it told better on, like, say, podcasts and in documentaries. Um, yeah, it feels more documentary based. Yeah, should be a documentary, really. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just again, it's, it's completely fine. <laughs> it's like. It doesn't feel in any way Ridley Scott-esque in any way, shape or no. form. It seems like something he's churned out almost on a weekend, which essentially he almost did. You know, when he had to go back and well, reshoot all the stuff with um, Chris Plummer. When Plummer came in for a space. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he just he, and he wraps out. So as a filmmaker, you can't fault, you know, Scott as a filmmaker. Because they have the balls to go, like, I'm going to completely recast my essentially second lead actor in this film and shoot everything around him. And you will not notice it. And see, for the most part, you actually don't notice that it's not spacey. No. You know, it, it's done. There's a, I, I, I notice like two shots. You go, yeah, that's that's not right. But everything else, it works. And, and that's a confident filmmaker who can do that. That film was well underway when they when they done that. That film had been that film had already been edited. Oh yeah. They put trailers out. It was it was fight, almost locked down, and he went back and did all that. And you know, bravo to him for doing it because a lot of people would, would not have done that. Absolutely, yeah. you know that is that's testament to the man. Yeah. And, uh, also, his incredible work ethic, like you say, and um, Plummer's really good at it. Plummer as well. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that Plummer was casting that film on the Monday and rocked that performance out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's like that's pretty <laughs> impressive. You know. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. The thing that, I don't know what you thought that film. This film, obviously, the story is well known anyway, um, or relatively. <clears throat> I watched the trailer for it. I knew the whole plot of the film. Yes, you did. You know? <laughs> like, okay, this is pointless. Yeah. But fine. It's a perfectly solid three-star film, but okay. Yeah. I, I know exactly. That's, yeah. That's it. Film. Three stars, you'd watch it. If you're sitting at home on a wet Sunday afternoon, you throw it on then. Yeah. And you've no problem with it. After that same year, so while we were shooting this, he was also shooting or, or involvement of Alien Covenant, the most recent in the Alien series, him returning back to what he created. What do you think of this one as fan of Alien? I am still such. I've spat my dummy out so badly still after Prometheus, and the wounds are still so raw as an alien geek that out of stubborn, bloody mindedness, I still have not seen Covenant. I would urge you to see this film because there are moments in it that feel fantastically alien. Okay. I would say about 20% of the film feels like an alien movie. 
Well, I'll, I'll take that at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> there is 80% of, I can only describe as fastbender wankery that really, <laughs> that yeah. is truly, you know, I was watching it, and I think I was watching it with Colin, and we both turned to each other going, I actually can't believe this is actually in this movie. <laughs> like, they had, no, I, they one the balls to put it in, for example, going like, Have you, what, like what the hell is this? Um. <laughs> And to do that in what was pretty much touted as, like, the next, like, as a return to the alien aspect of the, of the alien franchise, you know, to sort of all the things that people thought were wrong with Prometheus have been overly sort of, like, sort of ethereal and trying to be too clever, get it right back to the bare bones of making an alien movie. To put some of the stuff yeah. in with the fast bend, I kind of like, I was like, holy shit, that is like, <laughs> that is a choice and decision that had to be made, and someone's, no one said, you know what, can we cut that out? And put in the vent, no, fuck it, we are leaving that in. <laughs> um, and, and for that, you got to applaud it, and for the 20% of it that is an alien film, yeah. I applaud it, but I felt that there was an alien film there, but then Scott has got too involved in trying to, keep, again, continually create this sort of mythos around the character and make her, yeah. a, 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 a fran- and make it into a bigger franchise than it is and, and, and give all that to it, that it, it, it lost it. it, it completely lost it, and then that, and that bloated out and made it completely uninteresting again. Not as bad as Prometheus, I enjoyed it more than Prometheus. Okay. But... I want, yeah, but still not. Still not great, no. It. Still not yeah. great. I will, I will watch it. What I will say, I did think um, the casting of... Uh, sorry, interruption. Uh, yeah. the, I thought the casting of Danny McBride was very on point. That seems like you could, you could see him in yes. the Alien universe quite he, easily. He was, amazingly, I've never said this before, but Danny McBride was the best thing in the film. Yeah. Which was surprising yeah, that, to me. Yeah, you could play the, you know, the belligerent... Um, disbelieving cynic, you know, in the control room. Yeah. Who would, you know, who, who would take no shit? I could see that working. Yeah, we get we get um, to the point. I mean, in the alien film, on an alien, an uh, alien film, the first one, they're not astronauts. Yeah. They're, they're fucking miners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who happen to be working in space? That's what they are. They're not. They're not. They don't have any grand plan. All they want to do is get home so they can spend their money. And Danny Bride fills yeah. that. He he definitely feels like that guy. You know who's. Probably got an ex-wife back home. Probably got two ex-wives back home and two kids who needs to pay alimony for. He's doing this job just to <laughs> yeah, just yeah. to survive, and that feels like that, that's, that's 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 exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, so that's that is Scott's career. Um, Some. What do you think? Yeah, very hit and miss. Um, incredibly prolific. <coughs> Peaked really early on. A great, a I think visual. A great, I think a great visual filmmaker, but maybe not a great story filmmaker. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think that's absolutely right. He's he has got incredible eye for creating worlds. Yep. Um, whether that be um, you know futuristic worlds or um, going uh, more biblical, grand scale, or uh, even uh, keeping it and, and gritty and real, he has an excellent eye for that. Um, and you can tell he's he's got that, those art school credentials. Um, when he tries to be like his brother Tony, he doesn't do the same gusto or conviction. <coughs> when he tries to be art school author, he needs a good writer by his side. So 
Uh, and when, when he and, and the, the main point, I suppose, is he could have rested on his laurel, laurels. He could have retired after Alien and Blade Runner. Yeah. And done, and, uh, you know, and to be fair, he, he, the guy is a worker. And, you know, you're going to take that many shots, you're not always going to hit the target. No. Um, so you have to give him credit for that. And <laughs> there's lots to enjoy in his filmography. There's lots to, to, to keep you entertained. But there's probably only a, a couple of stone cold classics I would say yeah absolutely agree um, I mean the guy works the guy gets everything under budget on time he's a bit like Eastwood in that respect you know Eastwood will get he always gets his films on time under budget and because of that he'll, he'll always be given work you know yeah. he'll be allowed to make yeah, his movies a dream in that sense yeah oh, um, he's done 24 films and have made 1.6 billion in total so he's he's doing alright yeah, he's bankable. He's bankable. He's a bank. And a Ridley Scott film will. St- he, he is one of the guys that he's a name above the title that will sell a movie. Faced up to a great degree. Because if you put Ridley from the from the director of Alien or from the director of Gladiator, that will still sell a movie. But we're gonna watch it. Aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I'm always been intrigued to see what Ridley Scott's gonna do next. What uh, is he doing next? Is he doing a Alien film? I think he's talking about doing another alien film. I honestly didn't check his future plan, but I think he's about one of those guys who like ten different things going on at once, and he'll just whatever one hits the ground running first, he'll, he'll jump on that one. Um, well, uh, I guess a final question we probably should have covered earlier. <coughs> Was it a surprise that he didn't do Blade Runner twenty four nine? I think it is because it, it definitely felt like it was his it was his world. You know, I wonder what he makes of it. Ah. Uh, and he, he seemed to be very heavily involved in it because like all the publicity was him and Villeneuve standing next to each other. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, I don't know if maybe he was burned by Prometheus. Maybe. And yeah, returning to that world, the idea of returning to that, his own classic hurt him. Obviously it didn't hurt him that much because he'd done obviously done Alien Covenant. Um, I don't know if that was... it didn't hurt him, but criti- ah. critically it did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if that was it, or maybe he just he had faith in what Villeneuve had to offer. And again, the Villeneuve film, for for all its wankery at times, it is a fantastic looking movie. Oh, it's, it's stunning! It's um, absolutely stunning to look at. It leaves us as cold, but it is absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so if you were to pick your top three for it, what would it be? Um, Alien, definitely number one. Yep. Um, Going, what am I going? Thelma and Louise second, yeah. uh, Martian third, probably. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would go Alien number one. I think that's, that's a stone cold number one. Um, yep. Number two, actually, for Gladiator. You know, for what it is, I still enjoy that movie. Okay. It, it doesn't weigh up as well as it did when I first saw it. By the movie, I still very much enjoy it. Um, and number three, The Martian as well. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is generally a cracking, a cracking, well done film. Maybe I could probably substitute Gladiator for Black Hawk Down, to be fair. I mean, I might do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Black Hawk Down actually might be ahead of Thelma for me. Oh, yeah. no, actually, oh, the counsellor at one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> if I can put Fun Away in my favourite Ron Howard films, you can put the counsellor in, in your favourite Ridley <laughs> Scott movies. Um, but that's us, Stuart, for this week. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure, dude. We'll have to rethink of where we're going to do next for the next. Cause we don't have to do one until like September time. We need to get another one rocked out because I'm away again in September. And um, we'll have to think yeah. another direct we can we can use for that. Um, but, yeah, but for this week I've been Richard. You've been. I've been Stu. And you've been listening to.